This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It's Wednesday, 24 uh, May in the year of our Lord, 2023. We're going to go to the Twitter Spaces is up. We are connected. My always crack staff want to thank uh, Lindell TV and um, Frank Speech for um, doing this. Uh, we are So we're, we're hooked in. There are many other people hooked in right now. In fact, there'll be millions before this thing gets rolling. Uh, they're going to start. As soon as they start, uh, we will go to it. Uh, we will go to it live. Now, here's my assessment just coming out of the box. And I don't know if Memphis has this. You don't need to put it. If you got to put it up. But the New York Times reports today that the, uh, the, the strategy of DeSantis is quite simple. He is, uh, as I've said from the very beginning, and I think Governor DeSantis is doing a very good job as a governor. Uh, I like the way he's going after Disney's and corporations. I think he ought to be more aggressive, even more aggressive. I think a lot of it has been performative, and we need to really get down to, uh, to, to, to basics. And you see these companies are the most progressive things in the world. So I think Governor DeSantis is doing a good job there. Uh, I don't think he's anywhere near uh, being ready to be president of the United States. Uh, as I said, um, I think his in, the international trip he took for four or five days was so amateurish uh, and finishing in uh, London and what we call the city of London, which is their Wall Street, uh, was so pathetic that, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how bad it was. And people just didn't think he was a world leader. People didn't think he would ever be Trump. It was, it was just terrible. The Economist, in fact, has come out, just put out moments before uh, DeSantis is going to take this Twitter space and said, uh, there's no chance or very little chance, very low probability that he could beat Trump. I think in their poll, he's down, I don't know, 58, 29, something. So it's a huge gap, but it's also, it's also directionally, not just the point in time, but it's the slope of the curve. Um, and, and like I said, as soon as they start going, we're going to cut right to it. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and do it. We're not going to have a commercial break. Okay. You're in the war room. Let's go listen to DeSantis. Headquarters. It's David Sachs here. Uh, Elon is sitting next to me, and we want and we want to welcome you to this historic Twitter Spaces event, and more broadly, a first in the history of social media. Uh, tonight, I'm pleased to introduce two individuals who've done more to loosen the. No, just just keep the screen on. You don't need to look. People need to see. Don't need to see me. Uh, it's another Twitter. Part. Boy, you don't get that on Getter. On Getter, you don't get these. All crashes. right, sorry about that. Okay, we, here we are. There we've we go got again. so many people here that I think we are we are uh, kind of melting the servers, uh, which is a good sign. Um, all right, I'd like to just introduce the the uh, the folks in in the room here. So it's safe to say we wouldn't be making history without the man sitting next to me, Elon Musk. His decision 
to purchase this platform last year to restore to its original mission as a beacon for free speech and even to expose Twitter's past complicity with a government censorship regime might have surprised many, but not those of us who've known and worked with Elon for nearly a quarter. Money his mouth is upset the narrative, upset the narrative control, control imposed on us by our government, elite institutions, and corporate media. Uh, go ahead and send a, a heart up if you want to say thank you, Elon. Uh, Governor DeSantis first drew my attention and support when I saw how he responded to the COVID pandemic and refused to believe what we now know to be the many falsehoods that government experts and their media mouthpieces were feeding us. He kept Florida's schools open and its economy thriving, while my state of California chose two years of learning loss and lockdowns that we have yet to fully. Okay, uh, I'm just coming in on a voiceover. This is Stephen K. Bannon. Um, Twitter keeps crashing because, you know, Elon Musk, for all his big talk, hasn't taken care of the basic engineering problems. You don't get that problem with Getter. I never get that problem with Getter. Um, David Sachs is the oligarch that drove the bailout of Silicon Valley Bank with your money. Another total phony. And, of course, uh, Twitter is not a free speech platform because uh, since Elon Musk is bought and paid for by the CCP, he will not let any of the voices of the leaders of the anti-CCP movement on Twitter. And as Dr. Shiva tells you, they, they've got a backdoor into the government that they, they've never fully explained to people. And Dr. Shiva says it's still there. So we're going to hang around and we're going to do this. This is another kind of, uh, this shows you uh, the sanctimonious should have been more on point here. And these guys should have committed to him that they could actually launch. How are you going to beat Trump when you can't even get a, uh, you Let's can't see, even so, launch on Twitter? Here we go. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, Just to simplify this. <clears throat> I think we're just going to use your. There's 382,000 people in the room. All right, great. So let's see. So they just keep crashing, huh? Yeah, I think we've got <laughs> a, just a massive number of people online, so it's um, servers are straining somewhat. Um,
this like this assembly. Um, all right, we're just uh, reallocating more uh, server capability uh, to be able to handle load here. It's uh, really going going crazy. So um, yeah, I'm obviously very excited to um, have uh, Governor DeSantis uh, make this. Uh, Okay, we don't know if they're coming back or not. This is a clown show. This is a clown show. If you're going to launch DeSantis, you got to be, you know, you got to launch. This is failure to launch. I don't have, they're coming back in rooms. They're not going in rooms. We're busy people. You know, we're what? We're 20 minutes into the show. We're, we're 15 minutes into the show and I'm bored already. I got Elon mumbling, right? He's on the spectrum. I got him mumbling. I got DeSantis. Who knows where DeSantis is? They got David Sachs trying to tell me how historic this is. This is a historic screw-up. They bought a crime scene. Am I sitting here just talking trash about these guys? Is it back up yet? The elevator music. This is, okay, here we go. This is the great engineering. Don't have this problem on Getter. Ken Wong and the team over at Getter. Little Getter, not having this problem on Getter. And it was not massive. I mean, 300,000 people is a lot. Don't get me wrong. That's good. But that's not like millions. It's not tens of millions at the beginning. Not massive at all. You got to be able to hunt. And don't blame it on the servers. It's not the servers. The servers are not crashing with 300,000 people. I'm calling that out. And David Sachs, who, who now is like, oh, I'm a conservative. You're not a conservative, dude. You gave money to Hillary Clinton. Okay? You were a grown man when you did that. You were already a mini oligarch. No, I'm gonna keep talking trash. My own staff is saying, "Hey, can we play? Can we play? Can we play the uh, your takedown of Silicon Valley Bank?" I'll do it word for word right now. Okay, if Ron DeSantis is serious to to, to beat the champ to to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. This is not how you're going to do it. Donald J. Trump would not do something like this. If you're going to come at Trump, where's your 200 million, dude? If you're going to come at Trump, you got to come. You got to bring it. You got to bring the heat. Bring the fire. Where's the fire? All I have is disembodied voices. First off, ladies and gentlemen, who launches a presidential campaign that's not either in person in a room like Tim Scott or, you know, Lincoln? Who does it that way? Or on, on TV in front of people and, you know, with an audience and you're interacting? Who, who does it in a Twitter space when it's just, vi just audio, not even video? Is Ron DeSantis that afraid of how he comes across okay he, he's he he comes across as maybe not you know the most presidential a guy that comports himself or holds himself as a president but hey you got to work through that you got to take your brand run with it. we are and people know i'm a nut about not wasting time we're 16 minutes into this and we're still you know they still they're still playing elevator music they're still playing elevator music 
This is, what, did he not do due diligence? Did Elon Musk sell him a bill of goods? This is more of Elon Musk just happy talk. All this great engineering, look, he's had done some great stuff on the rockets. I think Tesla's a mess, right? And it's totally financed by the, the CCP or underwritten with tax breaks from the American people. I think that's a mess. I know people disagree with me on that. His other companies, I think a lot of these companies are a mess. Uh, Twitter is a train wreck. It's a, it's a crime scene that became a train wreck uh, because, he, you know, he's supposed to be bringing all these great engineers and they're redoing it. Does anybody feel that on Twitter? And I realize I'm, I'm just kind of rolling on smack talk, which I normally don't do, as you know. But I'm 18 minutes in this. I'm a busy man. I want to get to it. I want to hear Ron DeSantis give me some pearls of wisdom uh, with the CCP asset on the spectrum, Elon, transhumanist Elon Musk. Okay, here we go. We're going to have it again. Let's go ahead and roll. All right, I'd like to welcome uh, Governor DeSantis uh, for this uh, historic. We're just trying, just trying to get it going because there's so many people. It's unfortunate. Right, I'd like to never seen this before. Welcome, uh, Governor DeSantis uh, for this uh, historic. We're just trying, just trying to get it going because there's so many people. Okay, I'm going to come back and smack talk again. This has not, it's not that many people. It says 300,000 at the open. You got, you're, you're supposed to be Mr. AI. AI is all about computing power, dude. But computing power, you, yes, you're going to have a crowd here. I got that. But it's, that's not why it crashed. It crashed because your engineering sucks. Twitter sucks. Twitter sucks. And no offense, Elon Musk sucks. I understand all the conservative Inc. fanboys out there. They're all rubbing up. They're all 11. Their maturity is all 11 years old. They all want to be Iron Man. They all want to be Batman. They all want to be some Marvel, you know, cartoon character. Uh, what's the guy? Tony Stark. They all want to be Tony Stark. That's Elon Musk. Elon Musk gets all the hot girls, goes around and creates all kind of great war fighting machines, jumps in and out. Right. That's where they, they all want to be. And here we are. We're 19 minutes into this. I hope. That Jeff Rowe and those guys are sucking down big bucks, big dollars, big dollars, and telling us $200 million. This is, you know, I put $200 million in a campaign and all I got was a crummy t-shirt and this, a non-event on Twitter, on Twitter, uh, was it Twitter Spaces? How about Twitter Silence? It's called Twitter Silence. I've got a new name for this. Can I say this on Frank's speech? It's the Ron DeShit Show, okay? The boys in Memphis, are you are you are you blocking me out? I don't like sitting here in a stream of con- you know. We like we have very structured shows in the war room. Why the show so structured? Why do we get guests on? We have clips to get the team and everything's clicking. And I give a little bit of commentary, some analysis. We have another guest. We ask questions. They give you two cents. The audience is live streaming the whole time. So war room is highly structured. That's how we get through much stuff in the day. Uh, this is not structured. This is Elon Musk. This is another Twitter disaster. 
And if, if Ron DeSantis can't launch his campaign, how's he going to take on Donald Trump? I don't, what is, is Are people mocking him right now? On, on Twitter? They did not. They just did Cut the camera back to me. This is too good. So now I'm mock him. Come on, bring it back. Okay, Denver, there I go right there. Now I got to sit here and figure out what we're going to do for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> this is just a clown show. It just ended. Are they going to reboot it or my crack staff? Are, we going, are they going to reboot? Is there anything to reboot? Okay, as soon as we know. Can't, can't they play some elevated music? Here's what you got. You're going to have a Twitter space that can put their pictures up. You're going to look at my ugly mug for the next 40 minutes where I kind of wing it because we're, <laughs> we're supposed to. We have no guests. I have no. We may, I got a couple of clips I may play. Okay, full stop. This is trying to be serious. And how can I be serious? I can't be serious. You can't be serious because this is not serious. If they're going to be serious, I'll be serious. I'll, be, you know, I'll give you the knitted brow. I'll give you the knitted brow. Is he coming back up? They're going to move it to what? They move it. Okay, we're moving over. We're shifting. We were on Elon Musk, and now we're going to be on David Sachs. Okay, David Sachs, the oligarch, mini me, mini me oligarch, Peter, Peter Thiel's wingman, uh, Peter Thiel's wingman, the guy who drove the uh, the guy who drove the Silicon Valley Bank bailout for the billionaires. Okay, this. Okay, can we play that music? I, it, you know that music is horrific. Can we go ahead and go ahead and mute the music and I'll go ahead. No, you're trying to, you're, you're, that's not even elevated music. That's like bridge in the river choir. You're in the box music, right? They play that music all day long. You go like, ah, okay. I guess I'm just going to keep stream of consciousness here. I would be serious. You know, I'd give you the knitted brow. I'd, I'd talk about transhumanism. I'd talk about the debt ceiling. I'd talk about the invasion of the Southern border. I'd talk about Ukraine. I'd pick a topic. That is uh, of uh, it, not just of interest, but worthy. I'd pick a topic that worthy of the war room audience. This is the same war room audience that's got everybody going home. And they just put out, by the way, now is everybody going home. They said they're calling back, but they get 72 hours to read it if they come to everything. So guess what? Just some basic math. I think that goes through the 1st of June. So we call her bluff. Now, I'd, I'd go through some big rant. I'd go through something serious. If this was serious. It's not serious. This is another, this is why, think about it for a second. This guy started, he was ahead of Trump after the, after the midterms. Trump was terrible. Trump pulled everybody down. Trump's awful. Trump's alone. You know, Trump's down Mar-a-Lago. Nobody loves him. All that. You know, Ron DeSantis, he's the next, all these billionaires, he's going around the country and all the things. DeSantis is there. He's Trump without the baggage. He's Trump. Okay, here we go. We're going to go right back uh, to this uh, fiasco. Let's go and pick it up. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait. 
or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Junk science. That's what the doctor called many of those fruit and vegetable supplements. Junk science because they use extracts of common produce department fruits and vegetables with few health benefits. Now look, I take Field of Greens because it's the whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered down supplement, and it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs, like heart, lungs, and kidney health. Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. I don't eat as healthy as I should. I got that. I know it. I own it. That's why I take Field of Greens. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier fast and have way more energy. And I mean way more energy. But your best proof will be at your next checkup when your doctor says, hey, Whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com. And use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Take action, action, action. Do that today. All right. I think we're broadcasting. (laughs) Man, I think we melted the internet there. Yeah, that was insane. Sorry. We... uh... Uh, I'm actually doing this from uh, David Sachs' Twitter account uh, because uh, it looks like doing it from mine basically <laughs> broke the Twitter system. Um, anyway, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, we're incredibly excited to announce uh, the 
if you want to have, to have uh, Governor DeSantis uh, on with us for this, this uh, historic announcement. Um, and then look forward to a uh, live Q&A from uh, the audience. So, yeah, uh, yeah with, with that. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, can, are you there? Can you hear us? I think you broke I'm right, here. I know. I think, I think you broke the Internet there. We had over half a million people in one Twitter space. And it was growing by like fifty thousand a minute. So, uh, congrats on uh, on breaking the internet there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, try some you know new things. You, sure, it was. Yes. Uh, it's adventurous. So, yeah. Yes. Um, but so, I, I think the, the the value here is is actually really high for people to hear directly from uh, presidential candidates and to answer a Q and A live, and you can get a sense for what how a candidate uh, really is, you know, and, and where it's not just uh, canned speeches and uh, teleprompters. Uh, it's uh, you, in fact, you can tell by the you know some of the mistakes that that it's real. Um, yeah. So um, anyway, with 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 that, I, I guess I should turn it over to. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. let's see. So yeah, Governor, there's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of months about your your plans. Um, I understand that you may have an announcement to make. Uh, we've got, I think, a, a record audience assembled here. Uh, you know, the, probably the biggest uh, room that's probably ever been assembled. It's eighty thousand uh, people. What, what would you Don't like to tell you. This guy's a clown. Well, I am running for president of the United States to lead our great American comeback. Look, we know our country's going in the wrong direction. We see it with our eyes, and we feel it in our bones. Our southern borders collapse. Drugs are pouring into the country. Our cities are being hollowed out by spiking crime. The federal government's making it harder for the average family to make ends meet and to attain and maintain a middle-class lifestyle. And our president, well, he lacks vigor, flounders in the face of our nation's challenges, and he takes his cues from the woke mob. I don't think it has to be this way. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice. And we should choose a new direction, a path that will lead to American revitalization. We must restore sanity to our nation. This means embracing fiscal and economic sanity. Stop pricing hardworking Americans out of a good standard of living through inflationary borrow print and spending policies, and please embrace American energy independence. This also means replacing the woke mind virus with reality, facts, and enduring principles. Merit must trump identity politics. We must return normalcy to our communities. America's a sovereign country. Our borders must be respected. We cannot have foreigners pouring into our country illegally by the millions. We cannot allow drug cartels to poison our population with fentanyl. Public deserves safe communities and law and order must be maintained in American cities. We can't have inmates running the asylum and we must reject attacks on the men and women of law enforcement. We also must reestablish integrity in our institutions. This includes the military. I'm proud to be a Navy veteran, an Iraq veteran, and I revere our services. But when revered institutions like those in our military are more concerned with matters not central to the mission, whether it's global warming or gender ideology and pronouns, morale declines and recruiting suffers. And you need to eliminate these distractions and we need to get focused on the core mission. We also cannot have true constitutional government if the most significant issues are decided by the whims of unelected bureaucrats rather than the people's elected representatives. Reestablishing integrity in our institutions means we must reinvigorate our constitutional system 
by returning the government to its rightful owners, we the people. No social or economic transformation without representation. Truth needs to be our foundation. Common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. And in Florida, we proved it could be done. Uh, we chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. And we're thriving as a result. Florida's the nation's fastest growing state. We're number one in net in-migration, number one in new business formations, recently ranked number one in education. We have a 50-year low crime rate and one of the lowest tax and debt per capita in America. But we also understand governing is not entertainment. It's not about building a brand or virtue signaling. It is about delivering results. And our results in Florida have been second to none. We can and we must deliver big results for America. I pledge to be an energetic executive that will take on the important issues. Biden's pursued inflationary policies that are hurting working people. We will reverse those policies and we'll build an economy where working Americans can achieve a good standard of living. Biden's opened the southern border and allowed massive amounts of drugs to pour into the country. We'll shut down the border construct a border wall, and hold the drug cartels accountable. Biden's embraced medical authoritarianism, such as unconstitutional COVID vax mandates. We Didn't will ensure Elon that those violations us a live conversation? He's reading a speech. Again. Biden's Why cut the cameras on? This is bullshit. Let me, I we thought we were going to get Elon Musk give and take. All I got is some clown reading a freaking boring speech. History. Biden's also politicized the military and caused recruiting to plummet. We will eliminate ideological agendas from our military, focus the military on the core mission, and we will reverse the poor recruiting trends. Finally, Biden's weaponized the power of the administrative state to advance his left-wing agenda. We will reconstitutionalize the executive branch and we'll bring the administrative state to heel. Now, you can't do any of that if you don't win. There is no substitute for victory. We must end the culture of losing that has infected the Republican Party in recent years. The tired dogmas of the past are inadequate for a vibrant future. We must look forward, not backwards. We need the courage to lead, and we must have the strength to win. And to voters who are participating in this primary process, my pledge to you is this. If you nominate me, you can set your clock to January 20th, 2025 at high noon, because on the west side of the U.S. Capitol, I will be taking the oath of office as the 47th president of the United States. No excuses. I will get the job done. Now, these past few years have given me a new appreciation for the fragility of our freedoms. I never thought I would see things in America that we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic, but our founding fathers were keenly aware of the fragility of freedom. When they framed our constitution, they came to arm with having studied the history of every republic and the history of mankind. And they noticed that all of those experiments only had one thing in common, and it was this. Every single one of them had failed. And so they knew it fell to our country, the United States of America, to determine whether people could really govern themselves. Could we have a society based on the idea that our rights are God-given, not government-granted? And that was society functions based on the rule of law, not the rule of individual men. And when Dr. Benjamin Franklin walked out of that convention, he was asked, did you deliver a republic or a monarchy? He said, a republic, if you can keep it. They knew freedom didn't run on autopilot. They knew each generation would have a responsibility 
to safeguard freedom, and it's our responsibility to do so at this important juncture in our nation's history. We have a lot of work to do to ensure the country gets back on track. I ask everybody listening to please join me on this mission. Please invest in our campaign by going to rondesantis.com and making a donation. Thank you. God bless. And I look forward to the discussion. All right. Thank you, Governor. Appreciate that. Um, I guess just as a, as a, a first uh, follow-up uh, here, thank you for putting up with these technical issues. I think we're, we're definitely breaking new ground here. As far as I know, uh, no major presidential candidate has ever announced uh, their, their, uh, their candidacy uh, on social media this way, certainly in a, in a Twitter space. So thank you for doing that. Uh, what made you want to kind of take the chance of doing it this way as opposed to just doing it on cable news or the, the usual way? Well, when COVID hit, uh, I had to make decisions about do you go with the crowd or do you look at the data yourself and cut against the grain? And I chose to do the latter. Uh, I faced huge blowback uh, for doing that from the bureaucracy, from elites, from the media. But my view was I had to look out for the people I represented, prefer protecting their jobs over trying to safeguard my own political hide. But it was very, very lonely in a lot of those decisions. And Part of the reason it was so lonely is because there was a concerted effort to try to stifle dissent. There was an official narrative about lockdowns, about closing schools, about forced masking, about all these different things that we had to navigate during COVID. Uh, and it was an orthodoxy being enforced by the major tech platforms in conjunction with the federal government. And if we can't have an honest debate in a free country about uh, issues that affect hundreds of millions of people like lockdowns, then what good is the First Amendment at that point? Those are precisely the times when we needed to have debate be robust. You should not be taking down articles that criticize uh, those draconian policies. And yet that's exactly what happened. So it occurred to me that if that had continued, uh, I think free speech in this in this country uh, was on its way out the door. And so when Elon Musk uh, stepped up to purchase Twitter, uh, he paid a lot of money for it. Uh, and I'm sure because he's a good businessman, Elon, I'm sure you'll, you'll end up making money off it. But bottom line is you had to put your money where your mouth is uh, because I think you recognize that uh, you can't have a free society uh, unless we have the freedom to debate the most important issues that are affecting our civilization. That did not happen during covid the truth was uh, censored repeatedly. And now that Twitter is in the hands uh, of, of a free speech advocate, uh, that would not be able to happen again uh, on this Twitter platform. So I think what was done with Twitter is really significant for the future of our country. We cannot have a society in which government is colluding with major tech platforms to enforce an orthodoxy. Well, th thank you. Um, yeah, we're, I'm we're absolutely committed to freedom of speech and level playing field um, and just a vigorous debate. And uh, hopefully uh, this can be a platform that uh, brings people of divergent uh, political views uh, to exchange those views. And, and uh, perhaps some minds will be changed uh, one way or the other. And um, but it's just incredibly important, as you as you highlight, uh, that um, the, the, the First Amendment is re irrelevant if uh, all the media and all the and, and the government are operating in lockstep. It's uh, it, it makes you know the most important amendment, the one that was most urgently added to the Constitution, um, moot if you if you cannot have uh, free and open debate. Um, 
So, so tw Twitter was indeed expensive, uh, but free speech is priceless. Awesome. Um, thank you. So, uh, Governor, let me, I'm going to ask some questions while we get some other uh, kind of speakers in the queue to, to ask questions. Um, I think maybe some people knew this announcement was coming because there's been no shortage of hit pieces on you <laughs> yeah. in the press over the last week or two. I want to ask you about some of these accusations that are being uh, leveled at you. Uh, last week, uh, the NAACP issued a travel advisory against your state, claiming that Florida is not a safe place for minorities to visit. Uh, what do you say to those who've been advised that somehow they aren't welcome in your state? Claiming that Florida is unsafe is a total farce. I mean, are you kidding me? You look at cities around this country, they are awash in crime. In Florida, our crime rate is at a 50-year low. If you look at the top 25 cities for crime in America, Florida does not have a single one amongst the top 25. And if you look at cities like Baltimore and Chicago, you got kids more likely to get shot than to receive a first-class education. Yet I don't see the NAACP batting an eye about all the outrage and the carnage that's happening in those areas. So this is a political stunt. These left-wing groups have been doing it for many, many years. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is colluding with legacy media to try to manufacture a narrative. Now, the good news is, is fewer and fewer Americans are gullible enough to believe this dribble. And platforms like Twitter are there where people can debunk these lies in real time. And I would just say as an American citizen, if you are uncritically accepting narrative spun by legacy media and left-wing groups, you're failing at your job uh, of being a conscientious citizen. Um, and I think people just see right through it. And oh, by the way, have any of these travel advisories, because they've been doing this for, for a while, all these left-wing groups, have any of them worked? Well, we're the number one state for net in-migration and have been every year since I've been governor. We just capped the highest quarter for tourism in the history of the state of Florida. And our view is we want everybody to succeed regardless of their skin color. We don't divvy up people by race. At the same time, it is worth pointing out that we have in Florida more black owned businesses than any state in the nation. Uh, and we've also had more African-Americans lead state agencies under my administration than at any time in Florida history. But with us, you know, they're there because of merit, not because we're trying to play identity politics. And if you want to look at education, uh, the black students in, the, in Florida perform much higher than black students in most other states. We rank number three in fourth grade reading and number two in fourth grade math amongst our black student population. And oh, by the way, the head of the NAACP lives in Florida and a lot of their board members have put out on social media during my governorship, Florida vacations where they seem to be having an awful good time um that's great um well i mean florida's a great state and i think everyone, the, the, the the people people realize that um the, the some of the things that are being said are just uh, truly absurd um i mean i i saw some uh, headline from the atlantic uh, basically claiming that anyone who listens listens to this uh spaces on twitter is basically a nazi um so uh or yeah <laughs> or the, yeah that was the atlantic and then, atlantic, and then yeah, vanity yeah. fair said that uh <laughs> that you were you were uh hosting or interviewing because david duke wasn't available oh yes, yes although yes. i'm not totally sure who they were saying was david duke i don't know if it was you or governor DeSantis. It's sort yeah. of a little bit unclear but uh but i like, think this is a function of 
these the legacy media, these corporate journal, they're in their little bubble. And to to draw allusions to stuff like that, I mean, how crazy do you have to be? But in their little bubble, it sounds like a, they're making some type of profound point. And so part of, I think, what Twitter is, is standing for is people should be exposed to different viewpoints. And I think the yeah. elites in our society have tried to cluster themselves to where their assumptions are never challenged. And that's not a, a good way, I think, to live. It's also not a good way to, to be a critical thinker because no one's ever going to question, uh, obviously, wrong assumptions because everybody around you shares them. Absolutely. And I think they become totally hysterical because they don't like the idea that their control over the media is being, you know, disintermediated. Yeah. Because now, you know, candidates for president can just speak directly to people through platforms like Twitter. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the amazing thing about uh, Twitter and things like Spaces are that, um, although I happen to be hosting it, 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 it well, I, I, I had to switch over to David hosting it because my account was actually... There's too much interest. But, <laughs> my account was breaking yeah. the system. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, there's really never been a, a mechanism before where uh, someone could address the nation or anyone who wanted to listen to them could from, from anywhere in the world. Uh, United States or anywhere. So this is a, I think this, this is a really profound uh, change. Um, and it's also like the, it's not just whether the media reports something uh, and, and an article is, is true or not, uh, even more powerful is deciding what the narrative is. And totally. so, uh, you know, it's, so it's just like, if there's only so much you can actually fit in a newspaper um, or a magazine, and, what, and there's only one thing you can really put on, on the cover of a magazine. So uh, that that whoever's deciding that is is deciding to not talk about other things, um, whereas with a public digital town square like we have here, it's possible for the public to choose the narrative. It empowers the people instead of uh, a very tiny elite cabal, um, which I don't recognize the irony of me using that <laughs> phrase. Um, but but nonetheless, it's it's true, uh, um, and judged by the results that uh, this is a means for the people to decide the narrative and for the people to decide uh, what, uh, you know, which, which way a debate will go, um, not sort of five editors-in-chiefs of a few newspapers, basically. Yeah, and I think one of the really crazy things that happened during COVID is that, that uh, social networks really started censoring dissenting viewpoints on COVID, medical viewpoints that ended up being totally correct in in lockstep with what the mainstream media was doing. So basically, big tech platforms were undermining their main reason for existing, which is giving people a choice. And actually, there's there's somebody who I think knows more about that than any of us, which is Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who's a professor of medicine at, at Stanford. I want to pull him in here. Uh, Jay, you go ahead and unmute yourself if you can. Uh, it'd be great to, to hear from you. Um, I know that during COVID, you worked with Governor DeSantis. It'd be great just to hear a little bit about your interactions and if you have a question for the governor. Thank you, David. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was an absolute honor to work with uh, with Governor DeSantis, and I was really impressed by his decision making in the face of of an absolute firestorm of criticism. Uh, but he, you know, Governor, you did the right thing when you opened the schools. And uh, my kids in California for a year and a half didn't see the inside of a classroom, whereas Florida kids were in school. And you can see it in the results and the, the learning loss numbers are so much better in Florida. Uh, I, I, I'm really curious, Governor, um, 
you know, as, as you're running for president, what are your thoughts about reforming, uh, you know, the, the, the public health authority in the United States and the federal government, the, you know, the CDC, the FDA, the NIH? How do, how do you see the reforms we need so that the mistakes of the lockdowns have, that happened during the pandemic don't happen again when there's another pandemic? Well, first, we need an honest reckoning about what happened during COVID. And the only honest reckoning is that all of those agencies, all of the elites, the public health establishment, they failed. They instituted bad policies. Uh, obviously, it's a novel virus, but I think what happened was when the data was becoming more and more apparent that the path they were on was wrong, they doubled down and wanted to do it even more. And I really believe had Florida not just kind of uh, stood in the way I think this country would have had rolling lockdowns for probably a two-year period. And so their impulses were authoritarian. They were not following the data. And I think the U.S. government needs to acknowledge the failures. And I think all of those agencies need to be cleaned out. Uh, what I saw just dealing with them was I saw an um, interest in the narrative and in politics over evidence-based reasoning and evidence-based medicine. And so I don't have confidence that, that those agencies are up to the task. Uh, and I think you need major, major overhaul of the whole enchilada with respect to public health in this country. Can I, so can I follow up with, the, uh, with that? I, I mean, I think the, um, the, the other thing that I saw during the pandemic, Governor, and you, you uh, was subject to it just as much as I was when we were talking about COVID, YouTube censored a video of us speaking about uh, in a roundtable that you hosted on COVID policy. Uh, there's so much of the federal government infrastructure went into suppressing honest scientific discussion during the pandemic. So it's not just public health agencies, but other agencies inside the federal government that worked to suppress the speech of Americans. And I'd love to hear no your question. thoughts about it. No question. So I'm actually in Florida, we, we recognize the, the, the danger there. So I'm actually going to be signing a digital bill of rights for Florida pretty soon, which will bar all state and local government officials from colluding or working with a technology company for the purpose of censorship of speech. Because you're exactly right. You had people in the White House, you had people in all these other agencies uh, working with these platforms to try to take it down. And oh, by the way, what did they censor? Dr. Bhattacharya for. It was a roundtable discussion that I led and convened. We had Dr. Bhattacharya, MD, PhD from Stanford. We had Martin Kaldorf uh, from Harvard Medical School, and we had Sinetra Gupta from Oxford, who was generally viewed as one of the best epidemiologists across the pond until she became anti-lockdown. So these are all eminent people. And what are we discussing? We're discussing whether there's any scientific basis to force a school child to wear a mask for eight hours a day. They all agreed there was no basis to do it and that you should not have school mask mandates. YouTube thought that that was, quote, anti-science and that that should be taken down. But even at that point, we had already had enough experience in Florida where you had some schools that had done it before, before the state banned the mandates. You had some schools that had done it, some schools didn't, and the results were no different. And yet his video was taken down by Google YouTube. So it was a huge, huge problem. And yes, I think the federal government, FBI, DHS, any of the health agencies, uh, it's unconstitutional for them to be delegating speech restriction to a private company. You can't do indirectly 
what the Constitution would clearly forbid you to do directly. Let me let me pull in. Uh, we have uh, Congressman Thomas Massey. If you're there, uh, go ahead and unmute un- yourself. I mean, what we're talking about here is, I think, really unconstitutional actions by federal agencies. Uh, Congressman Massey, I know that you've been involved in in uh, this problem of you know government agencies being weaponized uh, and and used against the American people in an inappropriate way. Uh, do you have a comment on this? And do you have a, a question for Governor DeSantis? Well, first of all, let me say uh, a big thank you to Elon Musk for buying Twitter and exposing all of this. Uh, on our weaponization committee, we wouldn't know so much of it if he hadn't done this almost as a public service to the First Amendment. Um, It's a disturbing trend. Government, as the governor said, the government is colluding with big corporations. We found out this week from an FBI whistleblower that Bank of America voluntarily gave names of and and, uh, information on anybody who bought a hot dog in Washington, D.C. from January 5th to January 7th and then overlaid that with gun purchases uh, uh, that they had on record anywhere in the country for any period of time. And just, they say they voluntarily gave that to the FBI. So that's disturbing to me. Uh, By the way, I've never met Elon Musk, but I'm one of your biggest fans. I'm the first congressman to have a Tesla. I'm on on Starlink. And uh, I would have bought a Powerwall, but I'm off the grid and (laughs) you wouldn't sell me one. So I had to make one with a wrecked Model S. And it's it's been running our house for five years. But um, my, my... and just for the record, um, I, I, as a, I was with Thomas uh, our first year as in Congress. He's got the Tesla, but his license plate is Kentucky Coal. So it's, uh, he's probably one of the only people that have that in the country. <laughs> Thanks okay. for outing me, Governor DeSantis. Uh, but no, so um, Governor DeSantis, my question to you is, you know, you served here in Congress for six years with me. And um, why is it that Congress is so feckless? at reining in these government agencies and and what do you think we need to do and if you were president what what would you urge congress or what bills would you like to see and sign to rein in this uh you know sort of overreach of government bureaucracy well first i think there's a lot that the executive branch can do and i all i will say when it comes to these agencies we'll put we'll we'll go into this a little bit more as the campaign goes on but buckle up when i get in there because the the status quo is not acceptable um and we are going to make sure that we reconstitutionalize this government and these agencies are totally out of control there's no accountability and we are going to bring that in a very big way now part of the reason it's gotten so bad power has been consolidated and effectively a fourth branch of government because Congress hasn't used its two main powers that it has under the Constitution. First, the power of the purse. If an agency is gauging in conduct that is outside the realm of what is legal or you think it's not good for the public interest, then you can remove the funding for those for those operations. Um, There's nothing that they're not entitled to get the same level of funding every year. And yet Congress runs the government on autopilot either continuing resolutions or massive omnibus spending bills. So these agencies are all bulletproof. They know that they're going to end up getting uh, something similar or more every single year, uh, and it creates an incentive for them to, to abuse their power. The other thing you, you can do is actually legislate so you're not delegating to the bureaucracy key issues regarding how to enforce federal law. 
you should define what you want. All they should be doing is implementing. Instead, Congress will basically give an invitation for the bureaucracy to make really important substantive decisions. And so Congress may never vote on something and the bureaucracy will cite a law from 20 years ago and do things that are going to transform our society or our country. That is not the way the founding fathers drew up the Constitution. So would you sign the Reins Act? We passed it out of judiciary today. Oh, yeah. No, of you course. Would... Yeah, that's a no brainer. Um, that would, I think, be a great check. Uh, for that. I also think that we're going to have a good chance uh, to see some of the Chevron deference uh, really curtailed or maybe even eliminated uh, based on the U.S. Supreme Court's uh, upcoming jurisprudence. And I think that's a, another reason why the bureaucracy has become so powerful, because courts have basically been told they can pretty much do what they want and, and courts are supposed to just defer. I don't think that that's actually correct. I think the courts, uh, they have to make a judgment about what does the law actually say and you can't just defer to quote unquote experts in the bureaucracy. Thank you. All right, shifting gears, Governor, I want to ask you another uh, topic that's been in the news a lot is Disney. Uh, they blamed you for canceling plans for a billion dollar investment in Florida, said it would, they were canceling 2,000 jobs. I saw other reports that suggested Disney was going to make the cuts anyway uh, and due to a larger you know, budget cutting initiative. Uh, regardless of why they did it, uh, why do you feel your fight with Disney remains important, uh, considering you already beat them on the parental rights bill that they opposed? And what would you say to some of your opponents in this race who argue that the fight has dragged on too long? So first of all, Florida stands for the protection of children. We believe j jamming gender ideology in elementary school is wrong. Disney obviously supported injecting gender ideology in elementary school. Uh, they did oppose our parents' rights legislation. And the fact is, when they opposed it, that was a big deal because for 50 years, anytime Disney wanted something in Florida politics, they pretty much got it. Uh, but not this time. Uh, I signed the bill. Uh, we did, as you say, win on the issue. But what happened was uh, Disney's posturing, some of the other statements that their executives were making, kind of the corporate culture had really been outed as trying to inject matters of sex into the programming for the youth. And I think a lot of parents, including me, look at that and say, that's not appropriate. I mean, we want our kids to be able to just be kids. And that's kind of our mantra. So you had this, this setup that Disney engineered many decades ago, where they actually had their own government that they controlled with no accountability. They were exempt from the laws that all their competitors had to follow massive tax breaks, and they even racked up municipal debt. And Florida basically put them on a pedestal many decades ago and joined the state with this one company at the hip. We just didn't feel that, that we were comfortable maintaining that relationship. And so we ended their self-governing status. Uh, so Disney has to live under the same laws as everybody. They got to pay the same taxes as everybody. And obviously they'll be responsible for those debts. So the reason why there's a quote fight is just because they filed a lawsuit against the state of Florida uh, trying to get their special privileges reinstituted. Uh, but I don't think that that's good, good policy. And I think some of these Republicans that are taking Disney's side, uh, they're basically showing themselves to be corporatists because these are all corporate goodies. Uh, this is not the way you would run a competitive economy. And the, the arrangement had really 
uh, outlived its usefulness, but it, but it persisted because Disney was so politically powerful. I think the company's ethos have changed in a way that's alienated a lot of people in our legislature and in Florida. And so there was really no justification to keep it. But make no mistake, they're suing to try to get special privileges. People are making money in Florida hand over fist because we have a great business climate. That's not good enough for them. They want to be treated differently than Universal and SeaWorld. And we don't think that that's appropriate. So, you know, I think that they should withdraw the lawsuit. But obviously, we're going to defend our actions because we think we have the right to do what we did. You know, it's funny. The the media used to criticize Republicans for being in the pocket of big corporations. And now they're attacking you because you're not. Uh, Well, not only that, David, it's interesting because the media in Florida for years had had hammered Disney and they would they would point out like that this was this was not a good arrangement because, you know, Disney was not accountable to anyone. I mean, when we when the state control board took over the this district, the firefighters came to the board and they said, hey, we weren't getting survivor benefits for for some of these widows. And so the state control board actually paid out some of the benefits that they were getting stiffed on. There were a lot of people in central Florida who were really thankful that there was some accountability being brought to bear because, I mean, you know, it's human nature. If there's no accountability over any individual or entity, of course, they're going to behave differently than if you have uh, normal accountability. But the media was always very hostile to that. But just because I happened to be involved um, in bringing it back to reality and making sure that they were under the same laws, well, then all of a sudden. Okay, we're going to continue this on Getter right now on War Room, and I'll be putting up my commentary. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 